Alien Awakening. I opened my eyes to the hum of a warning light and the accompanying sound reverberating through the pod. Awakening from cryo is a haphazard event, an animalistic action that I hate. Your body fights the cold that has overtaken you, and you feel the entire process. No matter how many times you practice, it's still jarring. The repetitive tone of the warning light continued to drone outside of the pod as feeling returned to my limbs. I craned my neck to view the other pods. Unmoving crew members lay asleep. Odd. I should not be the first one awake. Not even the first five, if I remember correctly. The pod opens. The sound is deafening on my freshly thawed ears. Where the hell is that coming from? What is it? Something is wrong. I put my hands on the lip of the pod, heaving my naked body out. Coughing out the last remnants of the cryochemicals from my lungs, I stand to look around the room. Two rows of twenty line the interior. No sign of others awake. My trunk, with my gear, is at the foot of my pod. Dressing quickly in the form-fitting colonist uniform, I move towards the exit. Someone might be awake. Someone who knows how to turn that damn alarm off. My limbs and brain lose the majority of the lethargy from the waking process by the time I make it to the exit hatch. Placing my palm on the terminal to the right, the door slides open. Small warning lights illuminate the path, leading to the bridge. My steps speed up, panic gripping my chest as I move through the hall. All I can hear is the alarm. The door to the bridge is similar to the one I enter. Again, I place my hand on the terminal. As I enter, the display illuminates, and the automated voice interface speaks. Warning. Unplanned stop. Initiated early waking procedures. What the hell? Why am I awake? Pod 77 is listed as the captain's pod. In the case of all emergencies, the captain should be awakened. I'm not the captain. Pod 77 is listed as the captain's pod. In the case of all emergencies, the captain should be awakened. Stupid. Okay, fine. How do I wake the others? Say or enter your password for emergency cryo-waking procedures. Uh... Scrambling, I racked my brain for the answer. What the hell would the captain list as a password? Is it space? Incorrect. Shit, I don't know. Incorrect. Okay, okay. Why was the captain supposed to be woken? Unidentified obstruction has been encountered. Um, show me, please? The display shifted dramatically from the blank white screen to a picture of space. The vast void was beautiful. It's what drew me to exploration in the first place. Even in my panic, I couldn't help but stare. You never shake that feeling of wanderlust. As the sensors filled in the rest of the picture, my view was blocked by something massive. It was almost hard to make out at first, due to its size. Rather than seeing a clear object or the hint of an outline, all I saw was the absence of starlight. What is that? Unidentified obstruction. I know, but what is it? Unidentified obstruction. As I spoke, the image zoomed back. I could see more clearly the outline of this new shape. 
It almost looked like a planet. Numbers began to crawl down the side of the screen. These numbers, what are they? Diagnostics of unidentified obstruction, circumference, gravity, estimated mass, velocity, acceleration. Okay, okay, I get it. The numbers moved by quickly, but I didn't understand what they meant. I couldn't have. I wasn't an exoplanet physicist. I wasn't even supposed to be awake. Show me the size relative to Earth. The display flashed and zoomed out once more. Alongside the mass, a flicker of an outline appeared. The outline of the Earth was much larger than whatever I was looking at. Now, put Luna up next, I guess? The display zoomed closer, and I saw another sphere, this time much closer in size. Is that the moon we never charted? Unidentified obstruction is not classified as a moon. Why? It does not follow a predictable orbit. What the hell does that even mean? The display flashed once more, and I could see a recording of Luna, along with a trailing, blinking light behind it. The recording was sped up, and I saw the trail bend as Luna circled in a lazy elliptical. What is the object's path next to Luna's? A second object appeared with its own trailing line. It moved in strange patterns, sometimes mirroring Luna, but more often changing its distance from the planet. Its current path showed it moving in a straight line away from any kind of orbit. Where is it going? The line shifted and the viewpoint changed. It showed a small image of our ship. A helpful, you are here, ensures I was not confused by my location. The object was heading towards us. Shit. Incorrect. Go to hell, I shouted in frustration. Am I the only colonist awake? Yes. What is the protocol for an unidentified obstruction? In the event of an unidentified obstruction, wake the captain of the ship. Assist the captain in identifying the obstruction and follow their orders. Is there a protocol for accidental exit from cryo- Incoming transmission. Did the computer just interrupt me? Fine, play it. The file is not compatible with ship software. Why couldn't you have woken someone who knows how to use computers? Pod 77 is listed as the captain's pod. I understand that. Is there any way to make this file compatible? The display flashed and a number of pixels displayed random colors for a moment and the screen went blank. White symbols began to appear, but the characters were random collections of varying shapes and sizes. The display flashed again and a thin line stretched from one end of the screen to the other. It raised like a wave, and after a moment, a loud screeching noise blasted from the computer. Shit, turn that off. The noise cut off almost instantly, but the thin line continued to dance on the screen. I watched it as it continued to ebb and flow. The line repeated itself in a predictable pattern as I kept watching. It reminded me of a sound wave, but not one associated with the obscene noise. Play that weird audio again, but lower the volume, please. The same screeching returned, but this time at a more manageable volume. It fluctuated in pitch and paused before repeating the same pattern again. I sat, watching and listening. The repetition followed the wave, but just did not match. Strange. Nothing in the universe had ever sent us random symbols and characters, nor would a planet move as a ship. 
a thought slowly dawned on me as I considered that. That has to be a ship. Updating classification. Aliens. There are aliens here. They're trying to talk to me. I can't. I felt my pulse quicken and forced myself to take a few deep breaths. Calm down, Aurora. You can do this, I said, pacing back and forth, trying to steady myself. <sighs> Computer, what's the protocol for encountering aliens? Attempt communication. Determine hostility. Determine military capability. Determine best course of action. Uh, can we record a response? Yes, please indicate when you are ready to record. I paused, trying to think of the ramifications. Was I about to talk to a new planet? New life? Or would this be recorded and sent back to the colony as a sick joke of the marine biologist talking to a rock? Hell, okay, I'm ready. A soft ding sounded, and my face appeared on a nearby display. I paused to look at it. I barely recognized myself. My long brown hair was matted, stuck to my skull from the cryo substance. My mother's voice echoed in my head at the terrible visage. A woman should always look her best in a crisis. Thanks, Mom. She sure as shit didn't now. I sucked in a deep breath and began to talk. Uh, hello? Hi? This is Aurora of Earth. I don't understand what's being sent. Please, I don't know. Translate the message into a known language of Earth. I paused to look around. Pause recording? Paused. Can we send samples of languages with my recording? Please list the languages you would like to send. All of them. Done. Okay, okay. Resume recording. Attached is all of the known languages of Earth. Please respond. End message. Message end. Send it back. All channels. All methods. Done. I waited in silence for any kind of response. Minutes passed by with no changes. As I walked back and forth in front of the display, I kicked my feet, scraping the soles of my shoes on the deck of the ship. Suddenly, the assistant responded. New message. Open it. It was hard to tell, but after looking at the original message and the new one, it appeared to be the same. Shit. Didn't work. I don't know what to do. Uh, broadcast the same file back to them, I guess. The dancing sound wave disappeared on the screen. What happened? I froze... My entire body tense. The eerie silence of the ship seemed incredibly oppressive for a long moment. Computer? The display flashed and a new sound wave appeared. This one looped too. It was longer, but the same pitch changes were taking place. Pattern recognized. Similar endpoints. What does that mean? Can I talk to them now? Unclear. Damn it! I stopped my pacing and kicked at an empty chair in front of the computer. I stumbled back and danced on one foot in pain. Shit, 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 ow. That damn chair was bolted to the ground. This isn't working. Can we send them a picture? Yes. Great. Now, send them a picture of... me? The display flashed and my image popped onto the screen. Another tense moment passed and I held my breath. 
Response received. An image flashed onto the screen. It appeared to be a picture of a planet from space. Computer. What planet is that? Analyzing. Is the colony world Zephyr? Where we are headed? Is it their world? That doesn't make sense. The forward party reported no signs of intelligent life. Wait. Have we received any transmissions from them? A series of text files appear on the screen in front of me. The reports of the party sent before us. I skipped past the first few and read through the final report. Everything seemed normal. They finished their three months of research and went into stasis to wait for us to catch up. Computer, are we close to Zephyr? Our relative distance to the planet Zephyr is 0.00001% of the distance between our vessel and Earth. Great. What does that mean? Can you scan it? I asked, exasperated. The planet is within range of our sensors. Can you show me an image of our colony site? The files I had been reading disappeared and were replaced with an image of the colony site from the ground. It had been attached to the final report. This appeared to be the last picture the team had taken before entering stasis. The planet was beautiful to behold. A complex biome exists on this new home. It was everything I had hoped it could be, and perhaps even more. The lush flora would give our biologists a lifetime of work, studying their properties. The few buildings we had set up looked out of place in such a lush environment. Hopefully, we would not have the same effect on this would-be new home as on our old one. The rest of the surface was covered in native plants, a sprawling utopia. One of the deciding factors for this expedition had been the lack of evidence of animal life forms on the surface, only the presence of plant-based life. It felt slightly lonely as I continued to look, though. The absence of animals was quite strange. Can I see something more recent? Scanning. The image was replaced with another image from space. It slowly zoomed in, careening through the atmosphere as it magnified the image, closing in on our small colony site. I gasped in shock at the new image displayed. A number of large trees I had seen close up in the previous picture had been knocked over. They lay splintered and destroyed. They were upturned, along with massive amounts of the soil and the local landscape, suggesting an eruption of earth from beneath the surface. Not one, but three massive, worm-like creatures had burrowed up from the ground and now lay coiled near our colony. They were still and laid end to end. What happened here? Can we look closer? The camera zoomed in further. Shit. Now that I could see them, I realized it wasn't three worms, but one massive creature that was decaying and falling apart. Hundreds of smaller worm-like creatures were crawling from the corpse of the massive beast. At least, I hoped there was no way it could still be alive. A number of them covered the worm, they looked to be feeding off the remains. A few had broken into one of the storage buildings. Metal had been bent outwards to let their forms in. I saw maybe ten of them starting to latch onto the side of another building. I couldn't make out the exact purpose of the structure. Strange and surreal to worry about the type of building as I watched. 
Maybe it was the scouting team building? If it was, then it was the only building with life support modules in view. Were the colonists locked in there? When were the others supposed to wake up? If the captain wasn't up, how was I going to do this? I needed help. I couldn't deal with aliens and monsters. This was supposed to be our home. I screamed in denial at the display, hoping, praying for help. What the hell do we do? Wake up the captain, you stupid computer. Pod 77 is listed as the captain's pod. The end. Hey guys, this is Nathan. Uh, thanks for listening to our second short story. Uh, a few quick announcements before I jump in to the rest of the episode. Um, we have now added a website. Um, we are going to post all of our short stories there. Um, we're using it for the podcast to host the podcast. So if you want to listen to any of our episodes outside of iTunes, um, go ahead and check out our website. Uh, we're going to be adding more things to it. Um, the domain for that is www.ityatale.com. It's pretty cool. Um, check it out. Uh, and we've got two more episodes in the works. Um, a third episode is going to be coming out soon after this one. And we have a very special um D&D-based episode that I'm super excited for you guys to hear. Um, another note, Alex and I have added our cousin to the podcast. Um, he actually helped us write this uh, ep- story that you just listened to. Um, he'll be in the third episode and the fourth special episode, and from now on it's going to be us three um, writing so uh i'm excited for that um and just to give him credit for this one uh ethan uh he helped to write most of this uh story so look forward to seeing more of him and his work in the coming episodes thanks for listening guys and i hope you enjoy the rest of the episode hello and welcome back to the second episode of i'll tell you a tale the only podcast where two brothers sit around and hit their heads against the walls trying so desperately to come up with names. I am one part of this two I'm one part of this duo host system, Nathan, and joining me as always is Hello everyone, this is Alex. And uh, things are going to be a little bit different today. We're still trying to kind of figure out our format and what works best for the creative uh, process. We got kind of a little hung up on names and stuff and ended up doing a little bit of rough drafting off, uh, off air, but, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll figure out. And like we said, third time's a charm. So this, we're still kind of figuring out, catching our stride and stuff, but we're going to having all that been said, we're going to sort of jump in and get a little bit of this brainstorming out of the way. Um, Alex, if you kind of want to talk about what we're thinking about our story being all right so we had uh we had thrown around a couple of ideas and the one that we kind of we decided that we liked is there's a crew of people on a spaceship and they're on a journey that's rather long and so that the crew has to be put into a cryostasis sleep 
which is basically where their bodies and minds are frozen to prevent them from aging. Uh, so that a long, maybe multiple decades space travel seems like taking a one night sleep to the astronauts. So, yeah, and we, we just kind of want to explore all of the, the different settings that are available to storytellers. Last time we did kind of like a more medieval, uh, almost almost edging on fantasy a little bit setting now we're going to jump into sci-fi and kind of explore that space a little bit and we'll kind of jump around hopefully not getting stuck in in one genre for too long um but i feel like that that is a trope that anyone who's familiar with uh science fiction literature knows that that sort of either there is faster than light travel so people don't need to go into stasis or that technology is sort of accepted as a way to bridge the gap between different planets and stars and so we're kind of kicking around the idea of limiting the the cast of characters that we're dealing with having having our protagonist being having having mark mark 2.0 be a sort of either by some malfunction being awake when everyone else is asleep or that is his his sort of task and duty being the designated awake person the designated driver to lack of a better term and uh, for those of you who didn't listen to our last episode uh, mark is kind of a generic name that we're going to be using up until the point to where we can find out or figure out a suitable name for our protagonist because we are both absolutely horrid at making up names. And so Mark is going to be our catch-all of protagonist names. So just a heads up on that one. Mark the Ever Template. I just, in, in some sort of... Uh, fantasy land where if we ever have t-shirts i feel like uh I, I was just thinking the other day i was like it'd be hilarious to have like a sort of um name tag that's like hello my name is mark or something like that um but that's that's probably a long ways down the road we're just kind of doing this to have fun and uh flex this creative muscle that we use when we're telling stories um but now that everyone's on the same page yes mark is awake and he is alone and we kind of thrown out some ideas that maybe he's on a ship maybe he's on a planet uh, and i think both could be interesting i think that having an inciting or exciting event take place is very important in these sort of shorter form stories that we're trying to tell yeah i feel like we could put him uh on a ship and uh, let's say that the whole crew is in cryostasis and he is awoken on accident and none of the other crew seems to be responding and they have accidentally landed on a foreign planet and kind of the situations that he's going to go through. Yeah, I think that could be interesting. Uh, sort of the the automated... Maybe we don't really have to dive into the, 
which is something that I'm very thankful for in all these short stories is we can throw around these really cool ideas and not have to flush out everything. But um, maybe there's a, or rather an emergency protocol that the ship goes into um, as some sort of, for some reason, the the planet is sort of blocked out from their planning. Um, or maybe it's some sort of meteor or maybe even uh dun 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 like a large alien ship that like these aliens decided that they weren't going to build spaceships they were just going to move their planet and so this large planet or moon or something has gotten into their way and the ship's kind of emergency protocol landed it but the technology of cryostasis in this short story it takes a couple of days to pull someone out of cryostasis. They, they don't just snap wide open awake. And so maybe that the ship kind of started that, and that's how it, it, it came to land, and then he's waking up. Or we could, uh, we could throw in there that maybe the corporation or whatnot that is funding this voyage, uh, they have an emergency protocol but they failed to mention it to anyone because they didn't deem it necessary. They had just such this amount of confidence or mayhaps something with the emergency protocol went wrong and they informed one person that in case of an emergency, they would be awoken and then, then run them through how to deal with it. But through some sort of human error, Mark was put in the place of the a person who to be awoken on an emergency and he has no idea what to do because it woke the wrong person up. Yeah. And I think that even uh, just going into that storytelling as, as we're sort of figuring this out, I think that having said that aloud, we can keep that in mind and, Maybe maybe we go for a more um, omnipotent narrator for this one, but we don't even have to say that that's what's going on. It, it, all that can just be sort of a mystery. Yep, if that makes sense. Yep, I definitely agree with that. And I think I think that might actually be cool as we're sort of bouncing around between settings. Also, we we experiment with. I am suddenly drawing a blank, but like that first person, second person, third person, um, narrating style. Um, we were, we were kind of, uh, with our first story, Asarai and the Tempest, we were kind of in that space of third person, but, uh, I think, I think the terminology is third person limited and we could kind of experiment with that third-person omnipotent narrator. Yeah, or, we, or we could even go to a first-person point of view. And so I, I awoke confused. Are we there yet? I look around, and the other cryopods are still frozen. None of them are in the process of thawing out. You know, something along those lines to where... It's it's him. It's written like like a journal almost, or like he's the one telling somebody else about it. 
yeah, that that could definitely be interesting. Um, I think, yeah, let's just make an executive decision and say, let's just go, this one's going to be first person, and we'll see how it goes. If we like it, we can do more. If we don't like it, this will be the first and last. But um, I think it's an interesting story, dynamic way of talking. Yeah, I, and I really like the, like you said, the omnipotent third-person narrator style. But I feel like having a first-person narrator almost puts you more in his shoes, you know. So instead of saying she looked confused, you know, it's it's he, it's I think that she had a a look of minor confusion on her face or something along those lines. It, it puts you more in the protagonist's shoes and it can kind of give more of a personal feel to the story. Yeah, and especially if we're messing around with these ideas of mystery and just, I guess, just mystery, exploring that in a first-person Limit pulling back and limiting that perspective so the audience is kind of living some of that mystery just makes that storytelling all the more efficient and relatable in a way, I guess. Yep, and uh, for kind of a, a spooky or maybe mysterious, you know, if you the more that you put the reader or the listener in the shoes of that protagonist, they're going to feel it more than if they were just, you know, looking at it from a security camera from the third person view. Yeah. So definitely let's, let's explore that. Um, and going back into, since a lot of this story is going to be sort of limited to that first person character, unfortunately i guess probably most of this podcast or at least we should take we should we should limit ourselves to maybe five minutes to sort of figure out who this person is and what their duties are and how they are sort of not quite the right match for the situation that unfolds before them and i guess a little bit of getting into that character we should decide we've kind of been throwing around he but at some point i would like to experiment and and write for a female protagonist and maybe that's not something that we do right now as we're still sort of figuring out our format and stuff but i think well there's no time like the present explore every aspect Truer words have rarely been spoken because uh, a wise child once said, never say never. And by wise, I mean, let's just get off of that. I'm just going to stop talking. So let's go ahead and uh, let's try and get two things established. So first off, we should figure out um, what the purpose of this vessel is is it a exploratory vessel are they looking for a new inhabitable world are they 
perhaps a war going vessel and they're having an ongoing war with someone or what's going on. And uh, once we figure that out, then we need to outline the duties of Marquette. So say this is a settling vessel and they're planning to discover and settle a world or not necessarily discovered, but just settle a world that they've already found. Uh, and then she could be maybe a doctor or a botanist, you know, the Mark Watney of the ship, or I guess it's not Watney is a robot. I'm sorry. Uh, but no, th- I th- that's, that's who it is, right? Mark Watney from, uh, the Martian. If anyone is, uh, listening and not familiar with the Martian, I think we both uh, read that and, and perhaps watched the movie as well. Mark Watney. I, I think I think uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, the the colonizing. I think if we if we set the story at a point where a battle or a war has already begun, it doesn't make a lot of sense that the entire crew goes into into stasis. I feel like they would have a skeleton crew and it would probably rotate a little bit but i think i think maybe this is sort of the the first or maybe even sort of the second vessel that is leaving to colonize a close ish galaxy or yeah galaxy is is the our solar system no not galaxy solar system they're 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 sort of making their way towards a and maybe that's something that's interesting they're making their way towards a planet that has already had a successful ship go out or maybe it's not even successful maybe it's just a couple of years before them but everything seems to be going okay and they decide to send out the second vessel yeah i like that idea so the first the first one would have been a exploratory and a crew consisting mainly of you scientists such as geologists and botanists and the such so that they could get a good feel uh, for if this planet was truly as inhabitable as they thought that it was. And then the second vessel can contain more of the people that are going to inhabit this now that they've determined that the planet is able to sustain life. Yeah. And, and maybe they, maybe there are a number of these first generation vessels that have already been sent out. And this is sort of the first planet that they hear back from. And so they, they've got this, this arc of people that are, are not just, specialized to to be a skeleton crew and sort of survive together but there are people that are willing to start a family and there are people that are willing to 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 sort of take a step back and and just work together and not necessarily everyone's a scientist but it's a much larger crew so there are people that are that are going and they're they're going to be farmers and they're going to do this but um, they, they sort of have this, they send out maybe like five 
of these skeleton crews, scientist exploratory vessels, and then they have this this arc that's just waiting for the first to be held back, or for yeah, for the first to be heard back from. Because if we are if we're dealing with distances that stasis and stuff is required, that's gonna be a like generational kind of deals on planet side at least. Yeah, yeah. Back on Earth, maybe the the people who started this, it is, and the people who you know shook everyone's hands as they got on the ship and went into their cryo. Uh, it is now their grandchildren that are back at the command station and and waiting to hear back from the crew of the ship. And that and yeah, that can, that can be interesting. So maybe there's like, so the this arc is sitting in the the people who volunteered are all in stasis, and so that that command that that sort of commander or captain who is being woken up maybe every five years or maybe every 10 years and, and being kind of given a brief. And so as they're, as they're studying the planets more and more from their, just from like telescopes and things like that, um, the, the captain is sort of getting this briefing and he's, or she is this, this captain is the person who's supposed to be woken up in this emergency, in this emergency protocol and for some reason, they aren't woken up. Maybe it's like a uh, electromagnetic pulse or something as this, whatever this mass is that has not been accounted for, gets close to the ship. There's some sort of interference or something, and it sort of messes up with the, the, sh- the system's AI. And so it sort of closes off and maybe there's like, it, it like reverts back to a first state where the, the layout of the ship has been slightly changed. And so it accidentally wakes up the wrong person. Yeah, like they, they got a bad update or something on their AI program. Yeah, and like in, the, in the, this first draft of the ship that was being built... They, they have the captain closer to the captain's quarters or something like that. But since he's being woken up every five to ten years, they they decided to move him closer or move him to a different pod. And uh, just in all of the excitement and um, not really thinking forward to that emergency situation where someone needs to be woken up, they don't ever update his new coordinates into the ship's AI or not not even necessarily it has to be an AI but just the the computer system that monitors and sort of reacts to the emergency situation that develops and one interesting thing that we could explore too is maybe instead of it waking up waking up the wrong person they it wakes up the first person when they've reached their destination and as they go outside to verify that it's everything is safe and good to wake everyone else up, they go out to what they expect should be the beginnings of a colonization process and they go out to see 
what looks like somebody tried and then all of a sudden everybody disappeared kind of like a roanoke story are are you familiar with roanoke i'm unfamiliar with roanoke so and this is a true story about something that happened i believe it was in like west virginia virginia area when there was settlers coming to the united states there was a small town and it was people had come to the town to uh like check on them and nobody was there the only evidence that they found was on a tree was carved one word and it was a roanoke and that was a a native american tribe so it's kind of a kind of a ghost story in a way that you know all of these people just disappeared and all that they could find of evidence was one word that is that is very interesting and so maybe maybe that is a maybe this this alien maybe maybe it is a, an alien planet or small moon or something that they have terraformed and in a way they they were running out of food or they were running out of oxygen or they're running out of something and so they're they they turned their moon into a, a a small planet of its own and somehow developed technology that would push it out of orbit and stuff and so it's sort of sitting in space with its just recording and uh, collecting data and as this first probe approaches a planet maybe maybe even the alien sort of home planet the the sort of computer of this moon starts to shift and sort of collides in the path of this new human vessel that is coming towards the home planet or whatever it is so you're saying that the the moon would act as a barrier and they would accidentally land on the moon instead of the planet yeah in a in a way or and and maybe even the moon is no longer even a a moon in the way that we think of it is it was a moon at one point but for whatever reason be it global warming or an ice age or something they this alien population decided that in order to save the most people they they couldn't build a ship quick enough so they turned their moon or one of their moons into a ship and sort of got it away from the solar system and either they didn't do enough they didn't have enough time to sort of plan the terraforming of the moon and so they go into a stasis like this human crew and let their machines continue the terraforming process or they didn't even plan far enough to have ahead to have machines to terraform it so they all desperately tried and sort of um 
that that's sort of the mystery there was there's a battle for just resources and just they just needed to have less people and no one wanted to volunteer or i guess people is the wrong word life forms and so they ended up there was like a war and so this marquette she's waking up on a planet and not necessarily i guess this this large moon and there there are signs of battle but not any that she would be familiar with more like the the laser burns and and kind of that that sci-fi trope yeah and one interesting thing along those same lines would be that they move the moon this alien race they move the moon to intercept the second vessel and as the first person comes to wake up from the cryosleep, the aliens have a conversation with them, and they started off something along the lines of, we tried to get to the first vessel, in ta- but we couldn't make it in time, and then go to kind of explain why that planet is no longer safe for habitation, and that this particular alien race used to inhabit that planet but they no longer are able to for whatever reason be it war or global warming or an ice age and it's just a very hospitable place and it's not safe but maybe not right away so the initial landing crew wouldn't be aware of that and so then they kind of have to go into uh trying to figure out if these aliens are trustworthy and whether or not the uh, initial exploratory vessel is in fact in danger or if they're safe. Yeah, I think that could be something very interesting to play around with. And just for to make everything, just to make everything feel more believable is the um so this first exploratory vessel gets there and they maybe spend two years there um doing some slight research or maybe even less than two years a year six months something like that they set up sort of a a base camp but they don't have enough people to necessarily start a colony and they don't want to just live their lives and die there so they go back into stasis and so then it, the they're sort of they send their confirmation signal this planet is good send the second vessel send the ark send these people that have the equipment to fully commit to this planet we're gonna go back into cryostasis and they'll wake us up and we'll join the colony when they get there Yeah, I like that because then even if they are in imminent imminent danger, they're not going to know it or they're not even going to really be in danger from an environmental threat or or whatever it is, Uh, because and they'll still be alive because if if however long this is going on, if they're just awake on the planet and they send the signal and then remain awake, they, they die out before the people got there. Yeah, either that or they would be able to send a distress signal that says, oh, uh, never mind, this isn't good. And and then if they were in cryostasis, it would 
it wouldn't be as simple to get them off the planet as, you know, sending a message down to them and telling them, hey, we need you to come up to this uh, massive object that looks like a moon. You're not safe down there. They actually have to figure out how to get down there and help them out. Mm -hmm. And so I think I think this is a very, very interesting very I, I i'm so in love with this story i think let's let's explore what makes this planet unsafe because it it's so easy to say oh like global warming because that's kind of what we what we are experiencing what we can kind of understand to be an issue but if if we're thinking about it if if this if this alien race was at the same point in their technological advancements as we are, as they are coming to terms with this global warming stuff, I don't know if they would be advanced enough to turn their moon into a ship. So what if they've they've already solved global warming? They've, they've come up with a solution that allowed them to, to get past this sort of breaking point and maybe they started to sort of explore solar systems and stuff. Um, and in sort of that planning phase, they they started doing a lot of work with gene therapy and stuff like that. And so they were trying to to breed something like a giant or or species of worm or something what if they were trying to breed and it got out of hand a parasite and it's a particular parasite that will um infect and kill anything that has like a uh, a body temperature you know so unknowingly the people going into their cryosleep once they hit this planet like they weren't awake long enough to attract the eyes of the parasite. And and they kind of can say something along the lines of that in their message. You know, we haven't found any mammals or birds or anything, but there appears to be fish in the water and sea creatures and, and the such. Um, but that would be because the parasite cannot survive underwater. The parasite only goes for... Um, you know, creatures that are not in the water, but they also search out body heat. And so when you go into cryosleep, you're safe because you're frozen essentially and the parasites don't, they have no interest in a frozen body. So <clears throat> mm -hmm. that could be, yeah, that could definitely be something because if depending on how long this alien race has left their planet, long enough for this for this parasite to have wiped out most of the land population and stuff it's probably it it very well could be running out of food and so the parasites are sort of in sort of a dormant state and perhaps even in a sort of extinction state and maybe that's what the the aliens were planning on doing they're planning on just abandoning and letting the parasite run its course and then returning to their planet and seeing if they could salvage it. And so this disturbance has sort of 
attracted the and maybe at, at one point it was just sort of a on on the scale of a couple of single cells but now as it evolved to, to wipe out the planet it's it's evolved into into sort of creatures and as they they were kind of on the the verge of dying out and moved in having the disturbance of a ship they they sort of are starting to congregate and then the crew goes into cryo sleep and so it it can be evident from above without having to go down below you can see oh there are things moving around on this planet but they are not they weren't there before um they were sort of attracted by this commotion of this first exploratory vessel and then it, we could go into talking about the the aliens when they're explaining you know the situation of what's going on uh planet side and that uh, their plan as a a species was to abandon their planet and kind of let this parasitic virus uh, take its course. And, you know, it runs out of food, it dies off, the planet's then safe for them to go back down, you know, all the vegetation and everything like that. And the marine life is all uh, still safe so they can have something to build off of when they go down. And so with them being unfamiliar with the parasite initially, you know, they evacuated the planet. They maybe waited a dozen years or something along those lines. And then they sent their own exploratory vessel back down to verify that the parasite had died off, but unknowingly and accidentally they fed the virus and kind of reinvigorated it. And so now they're sitting on their moon spaceship, kind of hyper monitoring this planet and learning from their mistake of sending down there and, and feeding this parasite. And now maybe the parasite was on the verge of extinction and the humans coming down and reawakening it could potentially push off the alien re alien re-inhabitation of their home world. And so, yeah, so they're very concerned and maybe to the point of they're about to intervene and then they notice that the, the parasite sort of starts to, they, they can't, they, they're hyper monitoring and they see the, the last remnants of this parasite parasitic colony closing in and then sort of losing the trail as as the as the humans go into their stasis and their sort of body temperatures lowered and so they step back do some more surveillance and realize that another colony is another ship is coming and so they they're intentionally intercepting to say you need to get like as as advanced as they are it's still humans are still alien to them and so they they enlist that sort of help of we don't understand how your technology works and we want you to get these people off of the planet 
and this is all sort of going much this this might end up being a longer story than our previous story and i think that's all right too as we're figuring out this format this might this might end up being 30 minutes as opposed to the 10 minutes that our first story oh excuse me our first story was yeah and i i personally feel like that would be okay because our first story was really short but it also was our first one so um this being our second one and us just still kind of experimenting we may have to do a little bit longer story and just see how how it goes yeah i think that's i think i think this is very interesting very different very i'm so i'm i'm very excited i think that we've got enough laid out to where we should almost just get into that space of writing. So maybe we, maybe we take the next five minutes to sort of wrap up and, and name Marquette and that, and then we can sort of hit the, uh, the outro and, uh, figure out, start getting some, some rough drafts and some things going. All right. Well, is this an attempt to stick me with naming the character like I did with you last episode? I don't know what you're talking about. I would never be so petty as to search for something so cold and sweet as this dish of revenge I've so (laughs) neatly laid before you. Hmm. Well... So did we decide on a gender for our protagonist? I think I think let's just go ahead and confirm female. Um we're we're already doing a lot different. Let's just let's just do everything different so it's a completely different format and story. We've switched perspectives, let's switch gender, let's switch setting, let's switch length, and we'll see what we like and we see what what works and what we're good at and we can experiment um so let's go female and i guess we we should throw out kind of what what the person is and maybe that helps us come up with a name um and maybe maybe they aren't even um maybe they aren't even any anybody of some they they were coming to to be one of those people who is farming and and working more on the sense of community rather than the science the science thing, and so that's the the captain and their pods got switched because they were the closest to the door and it was just more convenient for the captain to be located there to be woken up and so so maybe they're just maybe there's some regular lady part of sort of the not so much the main crew, but the almost in a way the cargo that they're carrying. They're carrying this large group of people to sort of reinvigorate this colony and get it all set up. And she, I like that idea of her kind of being almost the support staff, you know, and maybe not like a leader figure, but she's a, um, farmer or I don't know what the word for someone who specializes in marine life 
Uh, Marine biologist, maybe? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if a biologist, that would seem something more along the lines of someone who was on the first crew. So maybe a farmer or a midwife or a doctor or a teacher. And I think farmer might be interesting. The if depending on how far we've leapt into the future, um, I think I think it's safe to say that the the way that we're getting our protein to feed an entire planet is just not. I can't think of the right word I'm looking for. Sustainable? It's not sustainable. And so, like cows and stuff, that. They fart and they produce a lot of methane. But maybe if you're, maybe if you are farming fish, or she could be is... something along the lines of like a super algae that they've developed that they can turn into a food for humans, or maybe grasshoppers. You know, per square foot, you can get way more protein from grasshoppers than you can from cows, and they don't eat as much, and they get to a mature age faster and so you know i feel like she definitely needs a special like a specialty field be it you know raising the grasshoppers or growing and mixing and having this super algae recipe yeah i think that's i think that's really interesting um sort of if we're trying to if we're trying to predict, and that's what sci-fi is, is you're trying to predict what the future is going to look like. And so going back to the, the, the tried and true Google translate, if she's, if she's a grasshopper farmer, grass in Estonian is muru, M-U-R-U. So maybe her name is Mara. M A R A, or or something along those lines. As if we're just throwing, if we just want to throw some wet spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, I was thinking something along the uh, maybe Kimber with no E, so K I M B R, or Adrana, A D R A N A. Or Nala, N-A-H-L-A. And, oh, here's an idea. Asarai, his name started with an A. What if we What if we shoot for a B name? And so, so we can just work our way through the alphabet. Um, so. That would definitely narrow our... Our choices. Um, yeah. That said, I, I think that might be interesting. So, what are the the names that we have right now? Uh, Adrana, Kimber, Mara. How can we how can we translate that into a B name? You could do Badrana, B A D R A N A, or instead of Mara, Bora, B O R A. Ooh, I kind of like that. Bora. Right. Or, uh, and it, it kind of goes off of, like, a Aurora Borealis, maybe. Yep. Maybe that's, like, a Bora, Bora, 
we we could spell it with like a e and an a and a u for uh i like that so i think that i think uh for now that's probably a good that's probably a good place to uh set it up we are we're going to try and do something a little longer format um this this character bora and her sort of not her sort of experience not being meant for leadership but being thrust into it just from from sort of the the human laziness of we should just move the captain closer and reorganize this uh and maybe depending depending on even how long this goes maybe people start to wake up just from the the time that's passing or it could be something along the lines of i just thought of this um so they they have this destination plotted out and it's the planet and so when the aliens intercept it with their moon, you know, the ship isn't going to give the command to wake the captain because they haven't reached their destination yet. And so the aliens board this ship and the first person that they come to and kind of figure out how to wake up is Bora. I, I think that I think that's interesting. I think that works a lot, a lot easier. And so she... A lot, a lot cleaner. She's expecting to wake up to know the familiar faces of her crew and her captain and her friends, and is instead greeted by these aliens. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that. And that could so let's even go be ahead a good and, uh, title, Alien Awakening. Yeah, I like it. Let's go ahead and... Uh, Maybe maybe leave exactly what these aliens look like a little uh, up to the imagination for now. Um, let's not uh, go ahead and spoil that that sort of mystery. That's what this story is all about. Sort of the mystery. Let's let's leave that up in the air a little bit and let's let's go ahead and wrap up. Um, we'll we'll go ahead and jump from this brainstorming to our closing. Um, recommendations and before we jump into that um just making sure i don't forget if uh anyone listening wants to throw out suggestions if you guys want to contact us in any way if you want to tell us uh so good some good c names for this um potential third episode um feel free to reach out to us on twitter at i t y a tail and you can also email us at i t y a tail at gmail.com um feel free to reach out there may be some slight um changes in our podcast we we kind of have a a new logo that we're gonna um, be implementing here um and feel free to reach out to us and tell us if you like it if you like it more just uh give us uh, your opinion on formats what you like more and uh feel free to do that and we'll we'll go ahead and jump into recommendations and one um, more Alex, if you want one more thing before that oh, if you also have maybe like a prompt that you want us to write about or you know a story that you've been trying to write or tell and you're just stuck and you kind of want somebody else's opinion or you want us to do an episode to where you know, you're at this point in a story where you're stuck and you need somebody else to kind of 
kick it or, or hit it with some outside view or you don't want us to do an episode on it and you just want to have a, a email conversation or a, something along that to kind of get some help out. We're both totally down for that and always love hearing new ideas and everybody has a different way of thinking and going about problem solving and it can it can add a huge new element to a story to kind of have a different set of eyes or a different mind on it so and yeah that's a really maybe that becomes a segment or something that we don't do all the time but we still have our episode we just kind of cut back on the brainstorming and for 10 minutes just kind of throw out this idea and kick it back and forth and we, we don't write anything on it we leave that up to them but I, I i really like that kind of like a diy kit you know you would we would give you the pieces and then allow a listener to flesh it out and yeah it's really interesting um and i I think that might be everything. Um, We can go ahead and jump into recommendations. So I'm going to go ahead and recommend a Star Wars novel. Uh, I can't think of the author right now, but the book is Thrawn. T-H-R-A-W-N. And it is about a Chiss male, which is an alien species. And he is a... Grand Admiral, Grand Admiral Thrawn. And so he's part of the Empire, and so he's kind of a bad guy to what we would view. Um, but he just has such a analytical and strategic personality that you find yourself respecting him and just wanting to, to get every bit of information that you can about him because he's just such an interesting character. And and yeah, he's a bad guy, but he's not heartless. He's just strategic, and he goes and is just able to crush anything and outthink anyone, and he's just this really fun character. Yeah, and I think I think he's a character that they... There's some animated Star Wars stuff, um, and I think he might show up in that. I'm not... I'm not I'm, don't follow that, but I, I did give that book a little Google so we can throw out the uh, author's name, um, and that is uh, written by Timothy Zahn. Um, and and Thrawn is a, it was originally a trilogy, um, and I don't know what, but he published this original trilogy way back when, um, before, you know, Disney bought out Star Wars and all that, and and then he kind of he came back and the first the the first of the newer he's written a few novels recently but the first of the newer novels it goes and explores his backstory so you kind of get a little bit more information about where he came from and why he is who he is and and who he is yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm just looking it up because I haven't heard about him uh, about this before. There's also yeah that first trilogy, the first book in that trilogy is Heir to the Empire, um, also written by Timothy Zahn. But there's also just a book called Thrawn. So feel free to check that out if you guys like Star Wars. Um, and I'm having a little bit of trouble deciding. I'm gonna have to flip a coin or something. I love sci-fi so much. I, I guess we we briefly touched on Mark Watney. 
um, in The Martian. So if you haven't listened to that, just check it out. But I'm going to go ahead and recommend um, Ender's Game. Uh, the They made a movie, I, I believe that's by Orson Scott Card. Um, feel free to tweet at me and tell me I'm wrong. Um, but I, I read the first book. The first book that is the one that they made a, the movie about. Um, and the, uh, of course, books are just, they just tend to be a lot better than the movie. Um, but the, the series that follows after is sort of much different than the movie and the first book. Um, the first book is almost like a prequel to this trilogy that comes after. And it's just sort of this crazy, different story. And I don't want to dive too deeply into it because diving too deeply into it kind of um, would ruin the first book. And the first book, part of what makes that story so interesting is sort of the um, the way that story is told and the mysteries that kind of unfold. And I don't want to I don't want to ruin that, but it's it's such a good. It is so interesting, and they they deal with sort of this idea of um, almost like a human immortality as people um, travel between planets and go into this stasis. And so people end up living for a lot longer and becoming sort of isolated. And there's like different, different people age and stuff. And, um, just from, just from living in stasis. And so people get to be like thousands of years old when they're only, when they've only lived for 40 years, they just sleep it all away. Um, but it's really interesting. Um, go ahead and check out Ender's Game, um, by Orson Scott Card. Uh, the first book is Ender's Game. And then, um, the trilogy that follows after, I believe it's a trilogy. There might be four books. It's just really good. Um, that's, that's going to be my recommendation. Um, and with both those out of the way, unless you can think of anything else you want to say before we close out, let's, uh, go ahead and do that. Nope. I am ready. Um, all right. Uh, thanks so much, everyone who's listening. Um, we're still trying to figure out all this formatting and stuff, and we appreciate um, the patience. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this show turns into something really cool. I, I'm I'm very inspired by it. Um, but thank you so much for listening. Um, I've been Nathan, and uh, and this is Alex. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy this story. Alien Awakening. I opened my eyes to the hum of a warning light and the accompanying sound reverberating through the pod. Awakening from cryo is a haphazard event, an animalistic action that I hate. Your body fights the cold that has overtaken you, and you feel the entire process. No matter how many times you practice, it's still jarring. The repetitive tone of the warning light continued to drone outside of the pod as feeling returned to my limbs. I craned my neck to view the other pods. Unmoving crew members lay asleep. Odd. I should not be the first one awake. Not even the first five, if I remember correctly. The pod opens. The sound is deafening on my freshly thawed ears. Where the hell is that coming from? What is it? Something is wrong. I put my hands on the lip of the pod, heaving my naked body out. Coughing out the last remnants of the cryochemicals from my lungs, I stand to look around the room. Two rows of twenty line the interior. No sign of others awake. My trunk with my gear is at the foot of my pod. 
Dressing quickly in the form-fitting colonist uniform, I move towards the exit. Someone might be awake. Someone who knows how to turn that damn alarm off. My limbs and brain lose the majority of the lethargy from the waking process by the time I make it to the exit hatch. Placing my palm on the terminal to the right, the door slides open. Small warning lights illuminate the path, leading to the bridge. My steps speed up, panic gripping my chest as I move through the hall. All I can hear is the alarm. The door to the bridge is similar to the one I enter. Again, I place my hand on the terminal. As I enter, the display illuminates, and the automated voice interface speaks. Warning. Unplanned stop. Initiated early waking procedures. What the hell? Why am I awake? Pod 77 is listed as the captain's pod. In the case of all emergencies, the captain should be awakened. I'm not the captain. Pod 77 is listed as the captain's pod. In the case of all emergencies, the captain should be awakened. Stupid. Okay, fine. How do I wake the others? Say or enter your password for emergency cryo-waking procedures. Uh, scrambling, I racked my brain for the answer. What the hell would the captain list as a password? Is it space? Incorrect. Shit, I don't know. Incorrect. Okay, okay. Why was the captain supposed to be woken? Unidentified obstruction has been encountered. Um, show me, please. The display shifted dramatically from the blank white screen to a picture of space. The vast void was beautiful. It's what drew me to exploration in the first place. Even in my panic, I couldn't help but stare. You never shake that feeling of wanderlust. As the sensors filled in the rest of the picture, my view was blocked by something massive. It was almost hard to make out at first, due to its size. Rather than seeing a clear object or the hint of an outline, all I saw was the absence of starlight. What is that? Unidentified obstruction. I know, but what is it? Unidentified obstruction. As I spoke, the image zoomed back. I could see more clearly the outline of this new shape. It almost looked like a planet. Numbers began to crawl down the side of the screen. These numbers, what are they? Diagnostics of unidentified obstruction. Circumference, gravity, estimated mass, velocity, acceleration. Okay, okay, I get it. The numbers moved by quickly, but I didn't understand what they meant. I couldn't have. I wasn't an exoplanet physicist. I wasn't even supposed to be awake. Show me the size relative to Earth. The display flashed and zoomed out once more. Alongside the mass, a flicker of an outline appeared. The outline of the Earth was much larger than whatever I was looking at. Now, put Luna up next, I guess? The display zoomed closer, and I saw another sphere, this time much closer in size. Is that the moon we never charted? Unidentified obstruction is not classified as a moon. Why? It does not follow a predictable orbit. What the hell does that even mean? The display flashed once more, and I could see a recording of Luna, along with a trailing, blinking light behind it. The recording was sped up, and I saw the trail bend as Luna circled in a lazy elliptical.
What is the object's path next to Luna's? A second object appeared with its own trailing line. It moved in strange patterns, sometimes mirroring Luna, but more often changing its distance from the planet. Its current path showed it moving in a straight line away from any kind of orbit. Where is it going? The line shifted and the viewpoint changed. It showed a small image of our ship. A helpful, you are here, ensures I was not confused by my location. The object was heading towards us. Shit. Incorrect. Go to hell, I shouted in frustration. Am I the only colonist awake? Yes. What is the protocol for an unidentified obstruction? In the event of an unidentified obstruction, wake the captain of the ship, assist the captain in identifying the obstruction, and follow their orders. Is there a protocol for accidental exit from cryo- Incoming transmission. Did the computer just interrupt me? Fine, play it. The file is not compatible with ship software. Why couldn't you have woken someone who knows how to use computers? Pod 77 is listed as the captain's pod. I understand that. Is there any way to make this file compatible? The display flashed and a number of pixels displayed random colors for a moment and the screen went blank. White symbols began to appear, but the characters were random collections of varying shapes and sizes. The display flashed again and a thin line stretched from one end of the screen to the other. It raised like a wave, and after a moment, a loud screeching noise blasted from the computer. Shit, turn that off. The noise cut off almost instantly, but the thin line continued to dance on the screen. I watched it as it continued to ebb and flow. The line repeated itself in a predictable pattern as I kept watching. It reminded me of a sound wave, but not one associated with the obscene noise. Play that weird audio again, but lower the volume, please. The same screeching returned, but this time at a more manageable volume. It fluctuated in pitch and paused before repeating the same pattern again. I sat, watching and listening. The repetition followed the wave, but just did not match. Strange. Nothing in the universe had ever sent us random symbols and characters, nor would a planet move as a ship. A thought slowly dawned on me as I considered that. That has to be a ship. Updating classification. Aliens. There are aliens here. They're trying to talk to me. I can't. I felt my pulse quicken and forced myself to take a few deep breaths. Calm down, Aurora. You can do this, I said, pacing back and forth, trying to steady myself. <sighs> Computer, what's the protocol for encountering aliens? Attempt communication. Determine hostility. Determine military capability. Determine best course of action. Uh, can we record a response? Yes. Please indicate when you are ready to record. I paused, trying to think of the ramifications. Was I about to talk to a new planet? New life? Or would this be recorded and sent back to the colony as a sick joke of the marine biologist talking to a rock? Hell, okay, I'm ready. A soft ding sounded, and my face appeared on a nearby display. I paused to look at it. I barely recognized myself. My long brown hair was matted, stuck to my skull from the cryo substance. 
My mother's voice echoed in my head at the terrible visage. A woman should always look her best in a crisis. Thanks, Mom. She sure as shit didn't now. I sucked in a deep breath and began to talk. Uh, hello? Hi? This is Aurora of Earth. I don't understand what's being sent. Please, I don't know. Translate the message into a known language of Earth. I paused to look around. Pause recording? Paused. Can we send samples of languages with my recording? Please list the languages you would like to send. All of them. Done. Okay, okay. Resume recording. Attached is all of the known languages of Earth. Please respond. End message. Message end. Send it back. All channels. All methods. Done. I waited in silence for any kind of response. Minutes passed by with no changes. As I walked back and forth in front of the display, I kicked my feet, scraping the soles of my shoes on the deck of the ship. Suddenly, the assistant responded. New message. Open it. It was hard to tell, but after looking at the original message and the new one, it appeared to be the same. Shit, didn't work. I don't know what to do. Uh, broadcast the same file back to them, I guess. The dancing sound wave disappeared on the screen. What happened? I froze, my entire body tense. The eerie silence of the ship seemed incredibly oppressive for a long moment. Computer? The display flashed and a new sound wave appeared. This one looped too. It was longer, but the same pitch changes were taking place. Pattern recognized. Similar endpoints. What does that mean? Can I talk to them now? Unclear. Damn it! I stopped my pacing and kicked at an empty chair in front of the computer. I stumbled back and danced on one foot in pain. Shit, 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 ow! That damn chair was bolted to the ground. This isn't working. Can we send them a picture? Yes. Great. Now, send them a picture of... me? The display flashed and my image popped onto the screen. Another tense moment passed and I held my breath. Response received. An image flashed onto the screen. It appeared to be a picture of a planet from space. Computer. What planet is that? Analyzing. Is the colony world Zephyr? Where we are headed? Is it their world? That doesn't make sense. The forward party reported no signs of intelligent life. Wait. Have we received any transmissions from them? A series of text files appeared on the screen in front of me. The reports of the party sent before us. I skipped past the first few and read through the final report. Everything seemed normal. They finished their three months of research and went into stasis to wait for us to catch up. Computer, are we close to Zephyr? Our relative distance to the planet Zephyr is 0.00001% of the distance between our vessel and Earth. Great. What does that mean? Can you scan it? I asked, exasperated. The planet is within range of our sensors. Can you show me an image of our colony site? The files I had been reading disappeared and were replaced with an image of the colony site from the ground.
It had been attached to the final report. This appeared to be the last picture the team had taken before entering stasis. The planet was beautiful to behold. A complex biome exists on this new home. It was everything I had hoped it could be, and perhaps even more. The lush flora would give our biologists a lifetime of work, studying their properties. The few buildings we had set up looked out of place in such a lush environment. Hopefully, we would not have the same effect on this would-be new home as on our old one. The rest of the surface was covered in native plants, a sprawling utopia. One of the deciding factors for this expedition had been the lack of evidence of animal life forms on the surface, only the presence of plant-based life. It felt slightly lonely as I continued to look, though. The absence of animals was quite strange. Can I see something more recent? Scanning. The image was replaced with another image from space. It slowly zoomed in, careening through the atmosphere as it magnified the image, closing in on our small colony site. I gasped in shock at the new image displayed. A number of large trees I had seen close up in the previous picture had been knocked over. They lay splintered and destroyed. They were upturned, along with massive amounts of the soil and the local landscape, suggesting an eruption of earth from beneath the surface. Not one, but three massive, worm-like creatures had burrowed up from the ground and now lay coiled near our colony. They were still and laid end to end. What happened here? Can we look closer? The camera zoomed in further. Shit. Now that I could see them, I realized it wasn't three worms, but one massive creature that was decaying and falling apart. Hundreds of smaller worm-like creatures were crawling from the corpse of the massive beast. At least, I hoped there was no way it could still be alive. A number of them covered the worm. They looked to be feeding off the remains. A few had broken into one of the storage buildings. Metal had been bent outwards to let their forms in. I saw maybe ten of them starting to latch onto the side of another building. I couldn't make out the exact purpose of the structure. Strange and surreal to worry about the type of building as I watched. Maybe it was the scouting team building? If it was, then it was the only building with life support modules in view. Were the colonists locked in there? When were the others supposed to wake up? If the captain wasn't up, how was I going to do this? I needed help. I couldn't deal with aliens and monsters. This was supposed to be our home. I screamed in denial at the display, hoping, praying for help. What the hell do we do? Wake up the captain, you stupid computer. Pod 77 is listed as the captain's pod. The end.